Josephine of the Future here. This episode was recorded on the 3rd of November 2020, which was the election day in the United States. And, of course, by then we had no idea what the results would be. So, please listen with that in mind. I currently am editing this and know the results. So, hurrah! Okay, so when you're ready, do the clappy thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to It Is Complicated, the podcast where we answer every single question with It Is Complicated, including the title of this podcast, which is It Is Complicated. Hello, Dr. J. Hello, Josephine. <laughs> you get, when you put on your glasses, you get your serious voice on. <laughs> <laughs> Allow me to remove them dramatically. Here you go. Let's see if I can get this on the mic. There you go. <laughs> Hello, Josephine. Glasses are off, Jay. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Oh, this is going to be like an hour of us just giggling. Yeah, I'm gonna... not entirely sure this is going to go the <laughs> go the way you think it is. Today we have a very serious topic to talk about. It's very important, and it's very it's somewhat emotionally stressful, and, and a lot of people are dealing with it. And all we could do is giggle like maniacs, and that might be because uh, the day of recording this is the the election to end all elections in the good old United of States. Oh, I so wish I put that bet down. I was going to put a bet down that Trump was the last U.S. president that he basically <laughs> destroyed democracy. <laughs> I would have gotten good odds for it. <laughs> It's dark, isn't it? <laughs> Dear listener, Jay warned me as I was getting ready to start this particular episode that this might go off the rails a little. <laughs> I didn't realise it was going to be 30 seconds in. I don't think you even made it through the clappy thing. <laughs> no, because you called it the clappy thing. <laughs> yeah, it's been a week and today is a day in that week. We're feeling a little silly. We're feeling a little odd. So this may infuse the episode. It may even make it into the edit. So I shall ask Dr. J, who and or what are you? <laughs> at the moment, I'm Dr. J. I gave myself the job title Harbinger of Change at Thoughtworks. I also got to give myself the gender, transgressive, non-binary, gender, queer, which is my official gender. I have a statutory declaration to that effect. Hurrah. Thank you, New Zealand. I'm a troublemaker and a hashtag queer nuisance because giggling. So, Josephine, what the fuck are you? Long-suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Who I am is Josephine Baird. I am an independent scholar, activist, and artist who likes to make a spectacle of herself on the stage now and again and likes to draw queers and put them on the internet. You can find them there, which is probably what you're listening to right now. And I like to think of myself as a queer without portfolio sometimes. Ooh. Wait till you sign the paper. Wait until I sign the paper and we'll see what portfolio I can afford. <laughs> if we put it out on Monday, then you should know that as you're listening to this, I am teaching a class on game design at the Uppsala now, University. 
and my cat is impressed. I'm impressed. You can hear her being impressed. Yeah. Now, I know that we laugh like uproarious idiots because you've reached that point where you're so scared you can't not laugh. That's why I'm laughing so much. I'm laughing so much because it's that response of like, oh my God, when I wake up tomorrow, this world hopefully will not be on fucking fire, but it feels like it because there's just mm. so much tension. You know, if Trump is elected in, it's a shitstorm. If Trump isn't elected in, his support of the right-wing militia will just allow them to turn around and try to do a takeover. And here with Brexit, I mean, Brexit's what? end of January, start of January. Fuck only knows it's 2020. Brexit could be tomorrow and I would be unsurprised. We seem ridiculously unprepared for it. Fortunately, I'm not able to travel, so I don't need to worry about borders and things like that because COVID has me in a tier three or tier four. We, we, we've even lost the ability to count the tiers of lockdown because we went tier one, tier two, tier three. Oh, by the way, nobody can leave their house. Apart from these specific rules, some of which involve card machines, because card machines are magical protectors against COVID. So this is just the insanity that we're living in. And sometimes you just have to laugh at it. Maybe that's a topic for today. I think there's about 12 topics. In there, <laughs> I'm a little bit on the rent filled side. This is going to sound weird. I mean, maybe this is a little bit of a meta episode, or at least for now, it's a meta discussion. We might get onto a topic. Part of me is concerned about releasing an episode like that. On, on Monday or any other day. Yeah. Because the thing is, it is this intense right now. It is this anxiety filled. It is mm. this scary. I have an idea. Let's make this the meta episode where we talk about why we did the podcast, how we do the podcast, and what we think about when we create an episode and talk people through that because actually that might be the thing to talk about. Maybe we should start off with how did we come up with the idea of doing a podcast? It's in reaction to this very thing that you've been talking about. I mean, it was right at the beginning of lockdown. I'd had a particularly nasty incident and lockdown was happening in the world is just, you know, in this state that is really scary. And our response was we wanted to talk more. <laughs> we wanted to talk more to each other. So I remember yeah. calling you and you had got the setup, and we did all of these Zoom calls and then we started chatting and I can't whose idea was it was it mine or yours or was it just a random hey let's do a podcast I don't know if it was any one person I mean I've had several times with people where I sort of have conversations and I think to myself I wish we'd recorded that or that would make an amazing podcast or the thing is we've both been in performance spaces so we both know that sometimes these conversations are the best inspirations for someone to do a piece of spoken word or stand up or becomes a show or something like that and yeah sometimes when I th think of our conversations because dear listener they're not that much different <laughs> when you're not around it's not dissimilar we end up in these kind of chats and I think one or both of us just said this would be really cool to record but we also know that both of us sometimes have this bad habit of not getting in touch with each other because it's very easy to get busy it's also very easy to believe that you're imposing on someone else's time or their energy by wanting to be in touch there's this mm. second guessing and especially with distance of social distance but in our case literally a country away 
more than a country. Yeah. You're several countries away. Yeah, exactly. So it's very easy to start to project onto the other person. I go, oh, well, I'm sure they don't want to talk or maybe they're, you know, me telling them about my tricky day is going to stress them out. So having a job nominally, even if it's just recording a chat between the two of you and editing it together into a, a podcast that we honestly had no idea if anybody was going to listen to was a really good focus of energies and of frustrations and trauma and difficulties, but also as an excuse to have a social discourse. And it has been invaluable in every endeavor that I've undertaken since. And it always has been. That's why I think we're so close. But in this particular case, it was a reaction to being in this existential crisis, quandary, stress, anxiety. I don't know what to call it. I don't think we'll know what to call it until afterwards. COVID. There'll be some COVID word that comes through. I think for me, it was, this was something that I could do, that was reaching out to people, forming, I wouldn't say forming a community, but reconnecting with Josephine was a huge part of it. We've been very close and then occasionally we'll have I think the longest we've not really talked to each other has been maybe a year or more. And we'll stay in touch slightly on Facebook, but we won't. And then this was a time when both of us, I think it was also a time of mental health where stuff was going on for both of us. It was a chance to talk to somebody who got what was going on and you could talk it through and they were like yeah I've felt the same thing or here's my thoughts on it and that's effectively what some of these are I won't say all of but are extracts of is us just talking stuff through like we always have and trying to talk through gender and sexuality and life and what's going on and why work is hard and why all of the stuff works but doesn't and fears and all of that stuff is really super important and you know I totally valued that and I think when we had the chance to kind of reconnect under lockdown and we started to talk to each other kind of like two or three times a week and it was that regular check-in that didn't feel like a check-in it doesn't feel like a counselling appointment, even though I will say Josephine is an amazing counsellor. If you ever need to talk to somebody, there are occasionally moments of like, now, if I was your counsellor, I would say this and allow you to get to this point. But as, as your friend, I'm just going to say, don't be so fucking stupid. Here's the reality. Just to paraphrase. And I ended up with the technology to record it as well, without too much stress. And I'd created a podcast yonks ago which was just recorded on my phone. And quite honestly, if you find it, message me and tell me that you found it. It's just me yelling at my phone because I was under a ton of stress at the time. And it was just a good little vent. I won't say this was the same, but it was that chance to kind of go, hey, nobody's talking about this stuff. And maybe people should. Maybe people shouldn't. And then, of course, you know, it's 2020. The world is scary. It's nice to connect with people who... I wouldn't say have the same fears as you. It's nice to connect with people who have the same experience in life of you, who understand the difference between being seen and being looked at, having somebody stare at you 
in a shop and somebody seeing you when they talk to you? I think there's a lot there, this notion of common processing, of common experience, of realizing you're not the only one. It's conversations that I've had with people around very difficult experiences. One of the things that I've found that is both comforting and difficult is hearing someone who has had a similar difficult experience to myself. The difficult paradox of needing to talk to someone who's had a difficult experience that's very similar to your own and having certain comfort in knowing that you're not the only one, but of course being tremendously sad that that's the case. Mm. At the same time, it creates this dissonance that's really hard. And I can very much empathize with what you say, Jay. And not to bring it into too much academic wankery, but I will because I'm going to mention Judith Butler now. I went to a talk in London a bunch of years ago where Judith Butler was speaking. And she was giving this talk about sort of queer... I don't know, community building, I want to say, at the time. And she made a suggestion in her (laughs) impenetrable language. She made the suggestion that the queer community can often bond around common trauma. The fact that we're all subject to this violence means that we have a common experience that we can bond over. I was extremely upset with this. One of the first things I wrote was actually published was a review of this particular lecture and I was particularly upset about this idea that someone would suggest that we could trauma bond effectively which by the way is a the term in psychology that has particular meaning that is not exactly appropriate to this nor is it a term that isn't necessarily unproblematic but I was upset about this because I was like well what about the people who didn't make it and I thought that was particularly upsetting But of course, there is some truth to this in the sense that we do have a common experience at the moment. The world has a common experience of being under a pandemic, but queer people have a common experience of being queer in a pandemic. And there are conversations that aren't happening. There are conversations that are happening, but aren't being listened to. There are conversations that are happening, but are still excluding certain voices. Mm. And these are the conversations I think that Jay and I have with each other that we don't hear in other places and that's not to say that our conversations are necessarily unique in fact i think the reason that people listen is because they can recognize in our conversations things that they've experienced and maybe haven't thought about it in the same way or have a very different experience of but they do recognize it and it's that communal that community that processing collectively it sometimes is so necessary. And I think for us, maybe this podcast is our therapy. This is our group therapy that you get to listen to <laughs> weekly, everybody, with special guests like my cat. And yeah, talking about difficult experiences, laughing about them uproariously is a perfectly reasonable response. The therapist once told me that this particular therapist saw predominantly patients who are depressed or anxious. And she said to me that with patients that are depressed, it can be very draining sometimes as a therapist. You really try and lift these people up, but it's also very difficult because they are so low and they're so depressed. And then she said, but with anxiety patients, they're great. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, anxiety patients are so funny. They're constantly making jokes of things. And they're good at it too, because this is this defense mechanism to the anxiety is 
laughing because of course i mean it's a bit of a cliche but it's so true that if you weren't laughing you'd be crying why do you think so many comedians are desperately miserable uh, it's because we have learned to deal with trauma by finding the relief in humor jay you were mentioning earlier that sometimes a very challenging or difficult experience can make you laugh uproariously in a way that feels completely inappropriate and i think that's because laughter is about breaking tension like even in comedy if you're thinking about a joke a joke is absurd which is unexpected which is dangerous in the human condition so how does one break that tension that fear you laugh it's a reaction as you laugh it releases a little bit of dopamine it releases mm-hmm. some really nice neurochemicals and i know that when i smashed my leg and i was sat there mm-hmm. and i discovered that if i just smiled and laughed to myself it didn't hurt and just kept that little rhythm going and I think we do that psychologically as well you can do it with physical pain but doing it with mental pain you can mask it for a time with a sense of humor and I think one of the things that is brilliant about how we communicate with each other is that we both recognize that when we're funny we're often in the worst topic or the worst pain and we will occasionally I mean I've cried on this yeah. I've cried and it's okay but often the times where I've laughed uproariously has been the times where I've got the most anxiety and the most fear going through it's a reasonable response mm. and in a way so many of the things I think that we do are responses to these anxieties and stresses mm. as this podcast is a reaction in part to the anxiety and stress caused by a particular point in our lives it has become a point where we can discuss and process often things that are very scary, things that cause us anxiety, things that stress us out. Even the funnier episodes that are as silly as they can be are usually about topics that are very, very difficult. Mm. And I agree. I'm <laughs> One of the things that we used to do in London when I met Jay was we would make shows and performances and I would do a lot of spoken word and these little sketches on stage. And we would almost purposefully take as our topics the most fucked up things that we could think of, the most screwed up, the most difficult experiences, the most messed up times in our lives and recreate it on stage as a form of processing. Now, as a psychologist, one could sit down and go, yes, yes, of course, this makes perfect sense. And you can talk about it that way and processing it on stage. And then you could be really analytical and annoying, saying things like, well, isn't it interesting, Josephine, that you could be so honest and open on stage about trauma and not be so honest off stage? And then I would have to say to you, stop analyzing me, Freud. You're not my real dad. Dad, mom, dad, fuck. (laughs) Because... Yeah, I appreciate the paradox. I appreciate the dissonance. And I appreciate the fact that I have absolutely used humor in the past to not cover up for pain, but to process it. Now, one can use humor to cover up or avoid. That is possible. But because like all things, it's not so easy. It's complicated, right? Humor can be a form of process and conversation and connection and communal experience can be a way of processing one of the things that I learned very early on when I was I don't know trying to figure people out I guess was that 
when somebody's having a bad time, almost always they don't need you to give them the answer to whatever problem they have. They almost always have made a decision already or they have a very good idea of what they're going to do or what they need to do. But they need to present it to you as the dilemma. They need to talk about it. They need to process it. So oddly enough, when I talk to Jay and, you know, they laugh about, uh, sometimes I say, well, if I was your therapist, I would say this. It's because I understand that sometimes it's about just being there and listening mm. and letting someone speak and process and empathize. And then that's it. Because there may not be an easy solution to any of the problems. It's one of the reasons I think we called the podcast It Is Complicated was because we would often come to these conclusions that, ah, I don't know, it's complicated, whatever, fuck. You know? Is that why we branded it that way? I think it's because every fucking conversation ended in, yeah, but it's complicated, complicated. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true, it is. But that's not the point. Mm. The point is to talk about it. The point is to process. The point is to realize you're not the only one. Mm. And whatever solution you choose to come up with in context to whatever problem you may have, whatever issue that we discussed this week, is going to be unique to you. But chances are you already know what you're going to do. What you need to do is talk about it, and that's why I'm here to listen to Jay, and that's why Jay listens to me. We process. Sometimes we come up with solutions together, but more often than not, it's just about being heard. So a lot of that for me is, and I know that I started off this as super giggly and super ranty because there is stuff going on that is making me super ranty that has me just being absolutely. And if you can imagine what a rant for me would be like, well, Josephine cuts it out a little bit, but it's literally just like 15 minutes of profanity and a lot of laughter and a lot of emotion coming through. And often it's not about the words. It's about just letting that emotion go past you and come through you and come out so that you can actually think of the right things to do. I've had a frustrating couple of days with work and I have a very, very generous workmate who has just let me rant at them when it's been a bit much. So I can then walk into the meeting that I'm supposed to be in and be calm and have come up with the right answer already. And I may still be firm and people may be aware I still have emotion, but I am nowhere near the like, oh, for fuck's sakes, you fucking bunch of, you know, like just me going off on one. A, would not be appropriate, but also it's not an appropriate reaction to the level of the situation, but to the level of the situation on my current stress levels, to the level of the situation on everything else that's going on. Yes, of course, it's a completely appropriate reaction. And I think that's the difference between an appropriate reaction and an understandable one, yes. or even a reasonable one, because this is the thing that people often say is like, well, you know, that reaction was so over the top or no, that reaction, you know, I got so angry because this thing was really upsetting. But, you know, I know that's not really OK. Mm. No, the emotion is perfectly OK. It is not just OK. It's understandable. Mm. It's something I can empathize with and have experienced myself. And one of the most difficult lessons and the most important ones I've learned over the last few years is that the emotion is real. The emotion is okay. Mm. Now, what you do with that emotion, that is important. Yes, mm. you may not be able to express your anger, even your righteous anger, in the way that you want to in the moment. Because it'd be 
unsafe or it would be problematic in another way. But having the emotion. Hmm. There's no shame in that. And I think this is something that we get told in businessy circles that you can't have emotions. Oh, you're too emotional. And it's presented as a bad thing. And it's like, no, I'm emotional, but I get rid of my emotion. Emotions move through me. And yet we say, oh, so-and-so was so good because they never show emotions. Bollocks to that. They're not good. They're bottling it up and they're probably being upset or taking it out on something and just not being able to cope with it because it's that buildup of emotions that people can't cope with. It's not the emotions in themselves. It's that societal thing about repression. Repression is not good. Trust me. I've been there, done that. It's not good. Well, if we were going to do the academic thing, I could bring up Foucault right now and be really nerdy and take out the glasses that I took off earlier and just do a whole thing on Foucault, who talks about this, and in a really interesting way, about how what repression causes and the uh, the constant struggle that that sets up in society. I don't want to go into that because as much as I am interested in those things and there is a time and place for Foucault. And today isn't it, I think, mm-hmm. honestly, because the truth is, yeah, it's, I agree entirely. Emotions like these are scary and big. Mm. And I am lucky enough to be the parent of a fabulous eight-year-old who we talk about these things. And often we, the way we discuss it is we have a sort of shorthand for this and that is, um, if it's overwhelming and scary and intense, we say big emotions because that's what they are. They're big emotions, but it's not dangerous and it's okay and it's safe and it's okay to have those big emotions because the thing about emotions are that they come, they crash on the beach spectacularly, and then they recede. Mm if they're not impeded. If they're impeded, then bad things tend to happen. But that doesn't mean that you go out and you express that emotion at someone in a way that is negative, scary, awful. In fact, I think that's what comes out of repression. Mm. Those are the things, that is the result of medicating yourself or trying to respond to an emotion that's impeded. Mm. Being able to accept yourself and understand yourself and to realize that you need to process, you need to connect with other people. And the the most difficult part of this experience and the most positive has been the distance that people have had to deal with, but also the realization that there are other ways to make connections. And for those people who have that opportunity, and I think more people should, guess what I'm saying I've gone off the rails a bit no Um, no I think you're staying on the rails I think people should reach out and connect to a rant partner you should find somebody that you can connect with that that you can call up and just go oh my god I just have to tell you about this and they're like they did what you're like they did and then they did and then they did and then oh my god this happened and you're halfway through the rant and suddenly you're like why am I ranting Why am I? And because the rant has moved through you and you start to see the ludicrousness, you start to see the ludicrousness. Just carry on. Keep trying. You'll get there. (laughs) The 
the ridiculousness. Oh, fuck it. The silliness. Then in realizing that, you realize all of the other thing that's impeding in on you. And, and you go, yes, but there's that. But there's also this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And you pile it up and you go, wow, no wonder my stress bucket was full. And thank you for letting me empty it out. And I think one of the big things is finding a rant partner, which is, I think, what I've found in Josephine, who doesn't take on the stress bucket, who doesn't try to empty your stress bucket, who doesn't try to take the rocks out of your stress bucket, who just goes, ah, there's a torrent of jade coming at me (laughs) at at high speed with a lot of swearing and massive amounts of giggling and potentially a rant which might start on one topic and end up somewhere else. I think that's the difference between somebody putting emotions onto you and directing at you in a way that's not okay. Mm. And being around someone who is freely able to express their feelings, but also the other person doesn't take them on. Mm. And this was put to me really well, actually. And now this can sound really weird because there are a lot of people in our community who are very caring, who want to help other people. And they'll listen to any problem, any stress and anxiety that someone might have, which is a very kind thing to do but then we'll become completely stressed out by it and this was put to me this way in a really blunt and mean way to say it and I apologize but this because when it was said to me I I was kind of it, it hurt my feelings but it was true it was saying stop picking up their emotions they're not yours give them back mm-hmm. stop taking them and then when you withhold your emotions by saying, okay, I'm going to be this stoic partner. I'm going to listen to everybody else. I'm not going to express myself. It was put to me this way. That's really selfish. Because you're withholding that from other people. You're letting them express themselves, be vulnerable. And you are being stoic and not expressing your vulnerability. And you're not giving them, your partner, your friends, your family, your kin, you are not giving them the thing they are giving you. It's selfish. Hmm. And it was really hard to hear that. And I was kind of upset when I did it. And it took me a little while to accept that actually, yes, it's kind of true that my habit very much was to listen to other people, to try to be that person and then bottle everything up and then to stay stoic and be Hmm. firm and together and be that person. But that, meant that people didn't get to know me that meant that I wasn't vulnerable to them in the way that they were being with me Mm. which is in some ways selfish yeah and yeah it was hard to hear (laughs) I was like but it's true and the same thing about the emotion so yeah when Jay needs to rant (laughs) (laughs) or needs to laugh or whatever I know the conversation we will have Jay will express their emotion I will listen because I care and I'm interested, but I don't take it and go, okay, I've now burdened myself. You know, people say I'm unloaded on them. Now there is people who will do that Mm -hmm. to other people. We know that. But when you express yourself honestly, vulnerably, I'm not going to take on that emotion because it's not mine. And I don't feel a drain of any kind because what I see is my friend expressing and my cat. (laughs) <laughs> I see my friend expressing, my kin, my Jay, expressing their emotion, their genuine feeling, their processing, which is a great gift to me because it tells me that I'm free and able to do the same. 
And this podcast gives us a tremendous opportunity to do that. And then to extend that to someone we've never met, which is a kind of existential weird experience. And at the same time, incredibly sweet and loving and kind and deeply satisfying, dear listener. I get to speak to you and I feel incredibly lucky that you give us this opportunity to share. It's about sharing experience, being vulnerable to each other, for each other, realizing that we're not alone, realizing that the trauma should never have happened to anybody, to us, to anybody else we might know or care about, to the strangers we never meet, should never have happened. But since it did happen, one of the most radical things we can do is speak it and talk about it and express it and it's also one of the most dangerous things to do so it is also brave just having that person that you can have those quiet moments and those excited moments and those angry moments with so Josephine you are my rant buddy for better or worse I'm very proud (laughs) are you my rant do I rant I occasionally get you to talk and you do rant when it's academic. You're like, I'm going to be an academic nerd. And you pick up your glasses and your voice changes. True. And you become the academic nerd type and you reel off big words and big concepts. That's true. But you don't rant in the same way. But you do get angry and get passionate about things. But you're not the fly off the handle type person you don't rent at a tangent oh I like that rent at a tangent no I don't know I mean I have my own ways of experiencing feelings and certainly expressing difficult ones and I guess that's the other thing is being neuro non-normative there are some interesting outlets that we can talk about at some point again another episode mm-hmm. for the future dear listener we're now going to talk about all the episodes you could have been listening to as opposed <laughs> to the sort of like Deadpool-esque break the fourth wall introverted belly button examining episode that we currently are on you will eventually hear episodes that discuss actual issues but yeah, I, I have my own way of reacting to this. We we all do. And some of them are common and some of them are, are less so. But yeah, having someone to express that with, having a platform, a podcast, the opportunity to, the privilege to record with my dear friend, to be able to speak across international lines, very special to me. And I'm truly happy and lucky to be able to share that with people as well. And I'm very grateful and aware of the value of sharing Mm. and having that space to do it with you. That's why I do this podcast. It's why we speak the way we do. It's why we laugh the way we do. It's how we react to the world in the way that we do. This is why we make a joke about J.K. Rowling at the end of every episode. And so, to that end, I think we've fucking... I was going to wrap that up in such a good segue, cat, and she ran in and ran out again just to go meow at you. Because <laughs> she has impeccable timing. She's obviously a queer cat and she has great timing. Oh, fucking hell, I've really lost it now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. <laughs> I'm going to go into that mode again. Where's my glasses? <laughs> oh my God. Dr. J, my dear, dear friend, my rant buddy, my kin. 
what would you like to speak about, discuss, and... <laughs> meow about next week. Well, she has a new book out. Her lead actor's just racked up a ginormous legal bill. We could discuss her, or we could discuss the shitstorm that's about to hit everybody. I'm just waiting for Josephine's. So I'd rather not, but I'm just, I'm just like, I, don't I just think... didn't know where that was going. <laughs> because it's kind of like one of those things of, you know, it's a shitstorm. We don't know if Trump's going to be the last president. All of this stuff is happening. And of course, there's fucking transphobia on the internet because the GRA needs to be discussed. We need to discuss toilets. Women might go to toilets. And there be other women. And we might not know what's in their pants. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Now, I think everyone who's listening has become your rat buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we should probably leave it there. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>